0: we're back
1: what's up everybody welcome in it's west 5 pod podcast about wvu football the big 12 conference staying in contention i'm joel bracken at wv stats guy and i'm joined as always by game day shorts mr jordan pinto um hey a a pretty stress-free weekend for the mountaineers uh how was that feeling jordan
2: it felt glorious man It's like you're looking at the clock in the fourth quarter it's like what are we up 17 points right now um unfamiliar right not a not a feeling that we've that we've become accustomed to over these last three years um but definitely one we'll cherish maybe we got a little taste of it now what do you think i mean a little taste of blowout and uh maybe we'll get some more blowouts here um in the near future
1: yeah it felt good to have the lead and continue to try to score points that was a foreign uh foreign topic to us this year but uh yeah i mean i think we kind of my sort of takeaway from this game and, and like a lot of you know college football games there's like a first couple maybe first quarter first two quarters where you know teams look even and it's like yeah maybe we can compete and then i really felt like we just pulled away uh into the second half and especially by the the fourth quarter i mean i don't think they wanted any more of us i think uh we kind of made them fold, which is, you know, nice to nice to send a team back, you know, out, out of the game where they're just they don't want to be there anymore. So, yeah, I mean, pretty encouraging result. And I think just like we're, we're like halfway through the Big 12 now and, and really taking shape. And hey, we're right there. It's we're moving into November and we're right in the mix.
2: It is. It is crazy, man. It makes that Houston one all the more frustrating, right, where it's like we could be sitting six and two with one loss yeah. in the conference, like right in the absolute thick of it. And I know we're going to talk about it in the pre-cap, but like with a real chance to be, you know, maybe like in a, in a clear, like second or third place in the conference, uh, you know, yep. if we, if we end up beating BYU, but yeah, no, I think, I mean, you know, the, the, the couple of stories like, um, or a couple of, like my takeaways is, is, you know, everybody all week is bitching about the disparity between the offense of, you know, how we play when we're ahead, how we versus how we play when we're behind. Yeah. Um, Came out came out slinging dude threw it deep on the first play of the game never let up um I think Neil in the post game kind of said that you know he he uh, uh talked to the team tonight before the game which is something he doesn't usually do but basically just told him like look shoot or shoot we're not gonna like mess around with this stuff anymore um and credit to him dude you know I thought I thought I thought they did like I thought the offense was uh you know beautiful game plan um maybe I mean definitely his best of the season maybe his best game called of, of his entire tenure here um, you know, we were in rhythm. We were mixing up tempo really well, um, setting setting plays up with other plays. Um, just really good stuff all around. Um, and then you know, on the other side of the ball, obviously the turnovers um, got got a couple lucky ones, but hey, you know we were we were probably due for for a bounce or two uh, to come back in our direction. I think the bigger story there is, um, you know, we took advantage of them, right. Like I was sat there at one point, I want to say it was 17, 14. We were already plus two in the turnovers and just like pulling my hair out. Like, God, this should be, we should be up by 10. We should be up by 14, you know, kind of thing. And then, and then we did right. Like we started converting the opportunities. They kept turning it over. And uh, that was, that was kind of the the difference in the game in the second half.
1: Yeah. The points off turnovers, it was right on, uh, right on cue of, Neil really bringing it up last yeah. week about, you know, we got dominated the points off turnovers. That was the difference. And then, you know, it ends up being the actual difference in this game. Um, you know, we scored a few times coming off of those turnovers. And, yeah, you get some lucky bounces. Um, and I think the first Beanie Bishop interception was yeah. was pretty lucky. I mean, you don't really have much business taking that. But you take advantage. And, you know, the other other plays, you took advantage when there was an opportunity. And that's all you can ask for. So, uh, yeah, we got the full John Reese Plumlee uh, extravaganza. We got it, got it on all ends. We saw him sling the thing around. We saw him throw the thing away, fumble it, you know, do a little bit of everything, but yeah, you take advantage and and you walk out of there with a pretty, pretty like demanding win. I mean, I think it was, you know, as much as you could ask for, we, we definitely asserted that we were a better team. Um, the interesting thing that I saw was the postgame win, uh, expectancy, like the postgame win percentage, uh, which is something we're going to talk about with BYU. Um, I was really surprised to see UCF actually was like a 53% postgame win percentage in this game, which is really, that was really surprising to me. I mean, it ends up being just a 13 point game. But what that tells me is that West Virginia really took advantage of the opportunities that they had in the game. And, you know, this was basically a 50-50 game, but you made the plays, you know, in the right opportune times and, and kind of put this thing where it didn't feel as close as, as that number indicates
2: yeah it was like it was a weird situation with the defense right where it was kind of like what we expected and i mean we didn't stop them for three quarters they went up and down the field yeah um i think they even made a point at you know the commentators at, at one point uh like 75 eh, yard drives just you know just like clockwork for ucf um but it was weird because so that happened but then like you know what we were hoping for from the defense they turned them over like so you know you give up all those yards give up all those points and yet you still kind of i mean they were the reason we won the game um and then you know you wonder if like you know so so we do have a couple short fields and we do convert those short fields but it wasn't really like I mean what did we punt one time um, so it wasn't like UCF really stopped us you know if we don't have those short fields and, and our yardage totals look a little bit different I wonder what the post game win expectancy looks like but yeah you know it, it was what it was um, we we made the plays we had to make uh, to win the game and and you know I, I don't think we should uh, take that for granted uh, in, in light of the last couple weeks.
1: Yeah, definitely not. You got the job done. Um, yeah, you maybe got a gift on an interception. You, you made some opportune plays, but you got it done. I mean, four point, uh, a little over 4.5 points per opportunity. We had nine drives, make it inside their 40. Um, and I think we really dominated them on the field position game. Yep. Their average start was their own 23. We Our average start was their 41. Or, or sorry, our own 41. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a massive hmm. difference. And we've talked about it before. I mean, just your expected points per drive, that's a that's a big difference. And, dude, the offense is humming. I mean, this offense is just so foreign to what we've seen for the first whatever many games of the Neil Brown tenure. Uh, we've put up, what, right at 40 points, 39, four, or sorry, 39, 34, 41 points the last three weeks. I mean, being over 34 points three straight weeks is, is definitely not something Neil has done since he's been at WVU and you know, it, it Garrett green, man, he's as good as anyone in this conference. I mean, he's really PFF. He's now the third quarterback in the, in the league. And I think he was a 10th of a point behind Dylan Gabriel. I mean, who would you, you want rather than that guy on your team? Nobody. That's my motherfucking quarterback, man. That's my quarterback. And you, factor in, you factor in all the intangibles. I mean, that that's just raw stat kind of stuff. Factor in the intangibles. This dude's a motivator. He's a gamer, high energy, you know, he. I, I like this guy a lot. He's playing awesome, and he's exceeded expectations. And you know, he goes out and beats John Reese Plumley, which was uh, our preseason comparison of a, a best case scenario. Um, so yeah, I mean, couldn't be happier with with Garrett Green.
2: Yeah, no, I think the, the like the way that I've been thinking about Garrett and the thing that I've been telling literally everybody who or anybody who will listen is like, you know, outside of like the what the seven to ten guys who are probably going to be you know NFL draft picks, um, like who who is better than Garrett? like in the country, like let alone the conference. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Neil said something like that, you know, and it was in the context of he can't take shots because he did, he took a couple shots yesterday just for no reason. Um, But he's like, dude, he's good enough that he's going to give us a chance to win every single game we play. Like that's how good he is playing right now. Um, I mean, I mean, it's hard to argue, you know, the guy, the the guy can throw for four bills one week. He can run for 150 the next week. There aren't 10 guys in the country who can do that. Um, And just the offense generally, you know, You mentioned the point totals. I don't think Neil even did this at Troy ever. Like, I literally think this is the best he's ever had in offense playing. If you look, um, so since October, right, so this is going to be the Houston, Texas Tech, and UCF games. West Virginia offensive stats out of 133 FBS teams. We're averaging 38 points per game, which is 12th. 490 yards per game, which is 9th. 6.4 yards per play, 26th. 202 rushing yards per game, 14th, 268 passing yards per game is 39th, 25 first downs per game is 11th, converting 57% of our third downs, which is third, behind Georgia and LSU and right in oh. front of Michigan. Um, we have 20 20-plus 20 yard plays. Remember wow. when we were complaining about explosive plays? So mm-hmm. 20 20-plus 20 yard plays, which is coincidentally tied for 20th, um, and then uh, 35 minute time of possession, which we've been good at, we were good at before the offense even exploded. But that's seventh nationally. So I mean, you know, for the last three weeks, and you could say there's there's some below average to bad defenses in there, right? Houston and UCF aren't good defenses, but mm-hmm. we're playing the way that you would expect an offense to play against those teams if that offense is good. I mean, we're playing like a top 20 top 20 offense in the country right now.
1: Definitely. I mean, yeah, it's like I said, it's just something we haven't seen under Neil Brown and it's really become a strength of the offense the last few weeks. It's like, hey, we can go. We can keep getting points. We can keep scoring. Um, You know, the running game was was really nice this weekend. And I would almost just tack in Rodney Gallagher because just his open field ability. I mean, he was in the running game He was also in the passing game. Get him the ball, man. He needs he needs to get eight touches a game, something like that. I mean, he's he's a playmaker and this was probably his best game in a Mountaineer uniform. CJ with a resurgence, um, running like we we thought he could. And you could just tell in the swagger about him and the way he was kind of carrying himself. It was, you know, he was just on a different different wavelength this weekend. Jaheem White, I mean, I think he only had nine touches and had like 70-some yards. I mean, he made a serious impact. So, um, yeah, and then, of course, Garrett Green. I mean, man, he's, you know, he's he can get it whenever he wants. Um, you know, like you said, he took some shots. You don't always want him to be the guy getting it. Uh, man, he, t- he got... He got blown up there in the fourth quarter on that one play where it's yeah. kind of a broken scramble, sort of. Like, you don't need to take that hit, man. Yeah, um, it
2: was like, dude, what are you? You're rupturing your kidney with six minutes to go in a three-score game right now. Like, what the fuck are you doing?
1: He got planted. <laughs> but, it, was, uh, it was painful to watch. But, I mean, I think, I think the offense is humming. We're seeing guys step up. Devin Carter, Horton's in the mix. You know, Preston Fox still making plays. There's all these dudes now that it's like, and it's not just like one guy. It's really encouraging to see. And what that tells me is that, Coaching staff is doing a good job scheming up, you know, spreading the wealth. There's not, there's not an individual one guy we have to run through. Um, and some of the issues, especially that the West Virginia Twitter community wants to get upset about, like, you know, Gary Green gets hurt, throw Nico in for one play. We run a little trick play, and I thought it was, I thought it was a fine situation to do it because you're in long field goal range, but you're in, you know, plus enough territory that it's like if this goes wrong, you're it's it's not the end of the world. You're giving the ball at the thirty. Um and yeah, it's just a poor execution. You know, I think the very next drive, we miss a short third down throw, just uh, you know, throws it behind Devin Carter, and everyone on Twitter is like, "Oh man, this offense, what do we do? What, the, what 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 is that on the coaches?" I mean, that's I feel like both play calls were fine. You have a a mesh route dude open, you just missed the throw. I mean, that stinks, but I'll still t- take Garrett Green out there for all that he can provide. He misses some of those intermediate throws, but um I think this offensive coaching staff has done really well the last few weeks. I mean, it's not as predictable as it used to be. We're keeping teams off balance. We're, we are balanced in the way that we can run and pass. Yeah. It's it's all over the place. There's dudes popping up. Um, and even the first drive of the game, you know, coming out to be aggressive, the The first play of the game, let's throw it 40 yards downfield to Horton. It doesn't work out. Uh, let's go for fourth down in our own territory. I mean, it was an aggressive, aggressive like, game plan and it worked out. I don't know. It's fun to see. I'm, I love our offense right now.
2: Yeah. No, I think you, you hit the nail on the head where we can, we can attack teams multiple ways, right? Like where we do have legitimate downfield passing threat. um, And we, we wait, we have the running game. We can always fall back on. I think, you know, even earlier in the year, that was kind of like, that was the thing that you kept saying that you were waiting to see, like when it's you know, we're talking about like, what's this offensive ceiling. And it's like, well, if we can pass the ball, they can be pretty damn good. Right. And we're kind of seeing that come to fruition. And and yeah, dude, I loved I love both fourth down calls. I know we were all up in the Discord. Everybody was like on record, just like go, 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 yeah. go. Um, on that one late in the game, what was there like, you know, te- eight-ish tennis minutes left? Where it was one of those textbook situations like UCF does not want us to go for it, fucking yeah. go for it, right? But, uh, like, yeah. Um, and I think it was right after that when when one of the commentators made the yeah, UCF has his let like, go of the rope kind of in the tug of war a little bit comment where it's like, Yeah, you you made him you made him give up because you went for that perfect play call for it um you know i thought i thought a lot of our short yardage play calls were were really good mm-hmm. um you know in those third and fourth down uh situations and even down around the goal line um where we're running those little play actions and like just getting garrett on the edge and it's like there's people out there you can throw it to but like you're gonna put a like an edge or a defensive you know lineman on him one-on-one in space he's gonna beat that guy every single time yeah um and so yeah i like I I think the offensive staff. I mean, really, we've been talking about it all year. Like, I think it's been better than they've given credit for. Like, we just needed playmakers to make plays, and uh, lo and behold, some guys
1: are making plays now. So, um, and with and 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 in the face of adversity too. I mean, we we've had some offensive line you know injuries back and forth throughout the season. Had some yeah. this weekend. I mean. It's not easy to to sub all your guys in there. I think Nick Malone uh, did not have a very pretty PFF grade out of there, but you find a way. I mean, we had a whole you know new guys in the right side of the line there. So whole left side the
2: last couple of weeks, right? I mean, exactly. Know, it's, it's like it's been mixing and matching all year. I think Neil said something about that too. Is like, dude, this is what we been. We like this is what we were hoping to look like all year. Obviously, which obviously yeah. Neil. But like, I mean, really, it, there, there has been a lack of continuity, you know, first at the quarterback, and then it's the whole left side of the lines out. Now it's the whole right side of the lines out. And so it's, you know, and yeah, no, I mean, resilient, resilient team, team you're proud to cheer for. Um,
1: just keep winning games. Yeah. How about how about defensive side of the ball? I mean, I know you're a Ben Cutter fan club member, card carrying member. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. He, 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 I think, was our top PFF guy. Uh, he, was. he He made some plays. I mean, he was blowing up some gaps. He was getting in the backfield. He was making tackles. Played well. Growing up a little bit.
2: Yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, I mean, you said it. Yeah, he was excellent in the run game. I thought the couple times that we saw him drop back into coverage, he was in the right spots, kind of um, in throwing windows, right, Like, which is where he's supposed to be. So I think I texted you. I was like, yeah, he's grown up. Um, You know, and I think that's something the coaching staff has been saying is, like, you know it, – it, it, Everything is there like once the game just starts slowing down for him a little bit Mm -hmm. um, and he stops thinking starts playing a little bit faster then he's going to be he's going to be fine. And we've seen flashes. um, Like you said, I've been a card carrying member um, since 2023. Uh, But yeah, no, he looked great. And yeah, if he can if he can come on a little bit for this stretch run here, that'd be that'd be awesome because I mean, obviously, that was a strength. Lathan was a strength the first first five games of the year. Yeah um last couple games have been rough but yeah he's he's starting to earn his stripes and and maybe we have something here for the stretch run
1: yeah and i mean i'll also say lee Koba. Uh, i mean our two highest graded guys were linebackers uh this week on pff coba and cutter which coming off of the ollie gordon show was that was much needed um, dude we were terrified right
2: about the scheme and everything like it's much harder like you UC, see what ucf does is much harder on linebackers than what oklahoma state does and yeah. yeah i mean they they had to be the best players on the field and and They work for us.
1: I mean, I think UCF moved the ball on the ground, but I don't feel like they also just like some of this is just game situational stuff. I feel like we had enough of a lead and enough of a hold on the game in the second half. I don't think they were comfortable sticking with the run, which probably is their strong suit. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. We took advantage of the situations, got the lead, maybe made them change their style a little bit. and We played good enough against the run um, that you make, you know, John Reese Plumlee keep the ball in his hands. That's a feast or famine and he, you know, gives them all away four times and you walk out of there with a win. So, um, yeah, pretty exciting. Um, and Hey, you're, uh, you know, we're what eight games through the season. We're two thirds of the way through. We got five wins, um, four. I mean, all four games left are winnable. I'm not saying we will win them all. They're all very winnable. There's not a game on the schedule left. that I'm like, yeah, we don't have a chance in that one. Um, are probably going to be favored in two or three of them. So. It's right there. And if you told us at the beginning of the season, you'll be five and three at this point. Um, You you probably take it. I think, you know, it stinks. The Houston one stinks because as we're going to mention here in a minute, as we uh, sort of, you know, talk about the big 12 stuff, but um, that one stinks especially, but we're right in the mix. And uh, that's all you can ask for into November. Anything else on, uh, on this UCF game? Uh,
2: The only, the only other note that I had, man, I, I really enjoyed Devin Gardner color commentary, former Michigan quarterback. It's the first time I've ever heard him on a game call, but I thought he was he was awesome throughout the game. Um, and for the first time in a while, you know, first time in my recent memory, I can remember, like, the comment the commentary, like, actually enhanced my viewing experience. Um, so, uh, you know, there's it no way you're going to hear this, but, uh, but shout out to Devin Gardner. I thought he did a really good
1: job. It is a rarity. And I will say, like, when you follow a team – You kind of know the ins and outs of the guys, you know, the little like things that commentators are going to say because the commentators are spending one week on your team or if it's basketball one week night on your team and they, you know, have all the fun facts. And you've heard that Miles McBride was a quarterback in high school a million times. But, yeah, no, I feel like he had some good insight. He had like some football knowledge. He had the strange West Virginia connection with Rich Rod. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was on the cover of the the best college football game in recent memory as well. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I thought he, I thought he was pretty good as well. Um, um but yeah, that's all for me. But yeah. That's a uh... cool. Let's chop it up now. Big 12 recap. Um, I would say that this, this was the, this was the weekend that the big 12 took shape. We are five. Everyone has played five games now. So I think everyone's taken their bye. Um, So I think everyone has played five games and we know what the season looks like now. We know what the table looks like. We know what the scenarios are going forward. We're five games in, there's four games remaining. Um, And man, it's going to be really fun. I mean, just as an observer of the conference in general, half of the teams, seven of the 14 teams are within one game of first place. And uh, it's all all there to be taken for pretty much any team. Almost every team controls their destiny in a way. but All right, so let's get it started. The first one, um, which was at the same time, but I bet a lot of Mountaineer fans got to catch it because they had their weather delay, was Kansas-Oklahoma. I think they were in the fourth quarter once uh, our game kicked off. Kansas at home beats Oklahoma 38-33, to and uh, this was a pretty emotional back and forth, especially in the fourth quarter, which is all I really watched of it, um, but Kansas was having some drives where they were falling apart, throwing picks, multiple drives, in a, or two drives in a row. And then Bean comes down. They score, but it was like, oh, we scored too early. Oklahoma definitely let them score. And then, you know, Oklahoma gets it all the way down to, like, the 20, 25 with a chance to win it. Um, yeah, this was a exciting game. I mean, this is just showing you this conference is so so level. Everybody can, can kind of beat everybody. Dude,
2: I was I was I was locked in on that last little sequence there. I was in the driveway um, with my kids uh, after the game. And of course, like they're trying to go down to the front yard, like towards towards the road and uh, and play. And I'm like, here, give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. And like the play is taking fucking ever to happen. And both of my like little my one year old, my three year old are just like sprinting towards the road. And I'm like, you know, trying to like stay in frame, like, please don't running into the street. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I ended up catching the play. But, yeah, no, I mean, huge win for Kansas. Hey, Oklahoma is beatable. You know all my sources on that? They just got fucking beat.
1: So, yep. hey, let's go. Good win for Kansas. That's a program win for Kansas because that it's is a like a, Yeah. Like, last year was last year, but this is this is like two of their winning games without Jalen Daniels, who kind of felt like last year was all they had. Dude, Bean's um, nice. Bean's good, yeah. He's fast as hell, man. The the uh, Not the – the touchdown
2: before the last touchdown when he kind of like the, like the little fake, fake jet sweep and then just took off and smoked Oklahoma's whole defense to the corners is like, wow. Like I would love to see the GPS on that play. I bet he's hitting like 22s, you know? Yeah. I was flying.
1: Yeah. Big one for Kansas. Uh, they stormed the field. They ripped the goalpost down. Uh, happy for them. That's a, uh, that's a good one for them and it takes Oklahoma. Now there are no undefeated teams left in conference. Um, so next game was BYU, Texas. This thing, was 35-6. to It was never close. Texas was playing their backup quarterback because Ewers is out. Um, But I will say 35-6 is pretty friendly to BYU because Texas had the ball inside the five. I can at least remember twice, two different occasions when I was sort of walking by as it was on. Texas was inside the five and walked away with zero points. Um, So, yeah, BYU kind of got hammered here. I mean, they were just outclassed. Um, I don't know if you had any any other takes on that one. It was kind of uneventful. No didn't didn't watch
2: a second of it um but yeah no I mean like like we' we'll, we'll talk about them more here in here in a few minutes but
1: yeah um next game was Kansas State Houston uh there's nothing to say here it's 41 to nothing Kansas State as uh you know as is tradition Kansas State right here in the mix tied for first place in the conference looking strong coming down the stretch. Uh, Houston just, I mean, I can't believe they go a game without scoring a point, but I think that's probably a testament to the, uh, K state defense.
2: I think, you know, the, we knew the rest of the conference is in trouble once Kansas state starts running two quarterbacks in and out of the game. Um, yeah, no, nah, <laughs> I mean, you're right on it. They they're hitting their stride. I'm, I'm glad we don't play them. Yep.
1: Next game, Iowa State-Baylor. Iowa State pulls this one off 30-18, to and they are just the weirdest 4-1 team in this conference. Like I don't know that I can say I uh, have a lot of faith in Iowa State being legit, but uh, just like all these other teams, they're right here in November. They're tied for first place, and they're in the mix. Their only loss was Oklahoma. They beat Oklahoma State. TCU-Cincy-Baylor, I mean, they definitely you know, had an easier schedule and they've been taking advantage of it. I mean, you know, it's right in front of them. So Baylor drops a two and three, three and five on the season. Um, yeah, I don't think people are as warm and fuzzy about Aranda at this point. It's been a rough one for them all year. I think
2: we, we were kind of on it before the year, man. I, I was, I was not nearly as high. I know you weren't either as, as like the big 12 media was where it's like, they're going to bounce back. It's like, you know, um, just too, too much turnover and, and not a program that recruits at a high enough level where you can just, you know, run guys in and out. Um, not necessarily surprised by the result. Um, Iowa State, yeah. I mean, you know, the only game that I've watched them this year was the was the TCU debacle. Um, but, fuck, I mean, that Oklahoma State win. You know, I know they were the guinea pigs for the Ollie Gordon. Like, I think he only had 17 or 18 carries in that game. They were really the first team that he played where he got, you know, a, a pretty extended run out. Um, but that win is looking better and better every week.
1: It is. Yeah. And I mean Oklahoma State has just flipped the script from the beginning of the season getting blown out by South Alabama, losing to Iowa State, and then here they are this week they, you know, make quick work of Cincinnati, 45 to 13. I guess maybe not quick work. It was 10-7 at half, but um they score five touchdowns in the second half and Ollie Gordon, man, um have we have we heard that story before or I don't yeah. know if
2: you've heard that story before
1: he, he goes running away 271 yards makes you feel a little better about what happened last week but where did this guy come from and why wasn't he playing early in the season
2: I yeah I don't know it doesn't make me feel any better but but uh, yeah you know yeah he's dude he's a beast like it's he's just he's just a, a thoroughbred human being you know like different different species of human being than than I feel like you and I are Um, and and yeah you know it's just it's Seems like he's just going to be the kind of guy where it's 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 going to be a lot for college kids to tackle him for four quarters. Yeah, you know, I mean, we've seen it for a month and a half straight now.
1: He carried it what twenty eight times, something like that, on us. He carried it twenty five this weekend for two seventy one. Um, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's insane. That's crazy. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's also so over 500 10
2: 500 yards on 50 carries over the last two weeks.
1: Yeah, he's averaging over 10 a carry in the last two weeks. It's fucking insane. That is insane. It's Barry Sanders. Get, get
2: his ass out of this conference immediately. When is he? When he, is he a he's only a sophomore. Yeah, get it. Get him to Alabama, dude. Yeah, get his ass to Alabama.
1: Um, so that was the Big 12 this week, and I think before we talk about the pre-cop, I just want to say that the Big 12 is taking shape. Big 12 is going to be very exciting down the stretch, and this weekend. I mean, arguably is going to be the most impactful weekend, at least of these final four. Jordan coined it as moving day, and I definitely uh, I like that one. I think that's a good call out. There are seven teams which I will say are still in contention. There are five one-loss teams, and there are two two-loss teams. And remember, there's no divisions in the Big 12. It's the top two teams go to the conference championship game. Five of them have one loss. Kansas and West Virginia have two loss. This weekend, so that's your top seven, this weekend of that top seven, six of them are, I guess, three and three are paired up. So six of the top seven teams play each other. And uh, we're really going to get some carnage up top of the table. Um, So very excited for this one. Um, There's just good games all this weekend. So Um, and it's very possible, I guess, just as a West Virginia intrigue is that A two loss second place team is like not out of the question at all. Like that is very much in play. I don't love our tiebreaker scenarios stuff. Um, But I mean, at the end of this week, you're either going to have two or three one loss teams and you just need to have, if you have one, one loss team, second place, obviously the two loss teams, there could be like five of them. Um, So let's talk about this week. Um, The first game uh, actually is not in this scenarios that I just mentioned. It's TCU, (laughs) Texas tech. It's a Thursday night game. Um, this is a uh whew, these are two teams that are not enjoying the expectations they probably had set on this season. DCU is two and three in conference, Texas Tech is two and three in conference. This is in Lubbock, Thursday night at seven. Texas Tech opens as a three point favorite. Um, not super consequential to the way this, you know, conference is gonna shake out, but both of these teams is probably uh, pretty hungry to have something go right for them.
2: I'm sure they are. I mean, the adults will be speaking on the subject on uh, on Saturday. But uh, yeah, I'm glad they they get to have their little uh, bottom of the table matchup on Thursday night. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I still, you know, I, I, TCU played us tougher, I think, but I still think I think Texas Tech's the better team. So I think you know, especially in Lubbock, what well, you said, three. So basically, pick them with the home field. So mm-hmm. yeah, seems seems fair. I probably won't won't touch this game. Yeah, Uh, I'm not sure with the
1: the TCU quarterback situation is still. I'm not sure if Chandler Morris, what's up with that? Um, Yeah, 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 that's uh, that'll be, you know, like I said, those would be two teams that are hungry to win. That's uh, even though that's not a game that will affect the top of the table. Um, Moving into Saturday, the first game that is pretty consequential here is K-State, Texas. This is D K R in Austin, Texas. Kansas State, uh, they just slid into the rankings this week at 25th. They're four and one in conference texas is number seven in the nation they are four and one so this is a uh, winner stays in first place kind of game loser no longer controls their destiny and gets thrown in the pile with <laughs> half of the conference of you know chasing that second place spot texas opens as a five point favorite uh you have any any big takes here do we know uh, what the uers situation is i'm not sure that we do texas minus five makes me feel like yours is going to play um texas did not look fantastic to me versus a byu defense that i don't think is astounding um but uh yeah i'm not sure i don't know if we're gonna hear that probably until midweek
2: man from from like a, a spot perspective like i think i'd rather be kansas state yeah um i would rather be a kansas state fan this weekend
1: um yeah, the Ewers thing. I don't I mean, think he, he has, had an ace. I don't think he's going to play. I'm just looking up updates. I was they said gonna two say, to four weeks.
2: Yeah, so this would be this would be week 2, right? So that like if he plays, he's not going to be 100%. If he plays, it's going to be him you know, probably trying to rush back. Yeah. Um and Kansas State just really feels like they're just peaking so so hard right now. Like they found a really good thing with this two quarterback system. It's just exactly like it's crazy how across like Two coaches and like two decades. Kansas State's identity is just Kansas State's identity. They, they just they just are what they are. They do what they do, and it works in October and November. And like here we are again. Um, I, I might.
1: Uh, I'm gonna watch that line this week. Um,
2: Noon game,
1: so I think that takes a little sting out of the home crowd. Yeah, That's 11 a.m. Central. And you know,
2: T- Texas's crowd never really struck me as particular like it's big and it's loud. There's a lot of people in there, but it's not a particularly hostile crowd um, mm-hmm. at least. And maybe that's just because they couldn't, couldn't give a shit about West Virginia. Um, but
1: I don't know. I might, I might look at doing something with Kansas state here. I'm going to watch the line this week. Agreed. That'll be an interesting line to see, uh, especially if yours is not playing. I'm, I'm a little surprised Texas is, is that favored um, now to three thirty matchups, another first place, game um oklahoma versus oklahoma state this is bedlam Um, you know oklahoma historically has absolutely owned this game i think oklahoma state's only won like 20 out of 100 of these these matchups it's pretty insane um both teams four and one in conference oklahoma state might be the hottest team in the conference right now them or k-state probably uh would be who you would pick and uh you get this at home for oklahoma state in stillwater um man this is uh, gonna be an exciting one Oklahoma opens as a six point favorite on the road. how do you feel about that
2: I, I don't know I mean it's it's like a full season's worth of numbers baked in right so it's not just like they're not looking at Oklahoma State for the last three weeks or four weeks um I don't know man I mean I it's it's hard to uh, I don't know selfishly as so as a West Virginia fan selfishly um, I think that I would prefer oklahoma to win this one mm-hmm. so that they're not looking to take anything out on us next week
1: yeah in a in a 5d chest highbreaker sort of thinking we would want oklahoma to be really good and we beat them because that would be a top table head-to-head win okay but we're actually not going to get a lot of them because of our schedule this year yeah. we, we really yeah. aren't playing a lot of these teams
2: um yeah, so yeah, I would let, uh, man, I hate, I just feel dirty saying that. Um, I would prefer Oklahoma to win this week and then we beat them. Uh, but I could, I mean, yeah, Oklahoma State's playing fantastic right now. So, yeah, even with a flaccid penis at quarterback.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, moving to the other 330 games. We got Houston at Baylor. Uh, not too exciting one here. Both teams three and five overall and kind of out of the picture in the conference. Baylor just four and a half point favorites which is a testament to uh, you know where they're at this year where Houston just got skunked 41 to nothing and uh, Baylor's only four and a half point favorites at home to this team uh I don't know I I don't know if it's just Dana Hogerson or what I can you can't never read a Dana Hogerson team. You super just, high variance yeah what are you gonna get so um, this one's not super important for the conference structure but I'm sure Aranda just like that other Thursday night game we mentioned, um, those are three teams: Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, who are all probably hungry to win, even though it's not going to really influence how the conference turns out. Yeah, I won't be watching this one
2: if I can find a TV in in the blue lot. I, I I do not imagine this one will make will make the rotation. So yeah, um, I yeah, I don't really have any thoughts here. I think Baylor stinks. I think Houston stinks. We should have beat them. So
1: yep. Yep, agreed. Um, other 3.30 game is UCF at Cincy, a battle of the newbies. The winner gets their first conference win um, in the Big 12. UCF and Cincy are both 0-5. This is in Cincy, and UCF is a 4.5-point favorite. Um, I'm a little surprised that Cin- Cincy is... I don't know. It, it's hard to read these games. These teams have both struggled, but um, you know, matching up against each other... I do feel like UCF probably is the better team of these two. I mean, their their offensive capabilities they could they could run this thing up.
2: Yeah, that's I think that's the difference right there. Um, you know, we like we we liked UCF more over the summer. I, I haven't seen anything change my mind um, through what eight eight games. Um, yeah, UCF's better. They have better play. They they have more high level dudes. Right, like I'm I'm sure like the the median player on these teams is probably not that far off from one another. But I just think UCF has more
1: has more difference makers. Yep. So your, your optimal viewing schedule this weekend in the big 12 is noon. K state, Texas, two first place teams. Three 30 is Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, also two first place teams. And then at seven, uh, obviously you're going to be watching the Mountaineers, but the other game that is of pretty big importance to the, uh, to the conference is Kansas at Iowa state. Iowa state is your, uh, fifth four and one team in conference in case Kansas. is three and two. Uh, so they're still hanging around in contention, uh kansas ranked 22nd in the country this thing's in ames at night a very spooky place to play as everyone knows you don't want to go there with a ranking uh with a number beside your name iowa state opens as a one and a half point favorite do they uh, they do that they is surprising do. to me wow i wonder how much Ames is factored into that because if this Super is kansas, if this is at kansas i'm probably saying kansas like five four, a touched, four and a half. I would say a touch, like six
2: and a half, you know, like, geez, especially man coming off of a win against Oklahoma. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, so, so like I've watched, like I said, I've, I've watched TCU play or sorry, Iowa state play TCU in a game that felt kind of, kind of fluky, right? Like it was one of those like stupid, yeah, stupid Ames night games where there's just a million turnovers and like, you just can't ever get going and it sucks um i've watched kansas play a lot i think they're good so yeah i mean this is the week we i I think we find out like if iowa state is um for real i guess
1: this is a big test for them i mean yeah their hardest game was probably oklahoma that they lost but otherwise you know this is this is going to be a a a pretty big test kansas loses this i think they're out of contention in the conference so this would be your you know that'd be the third one third loss yeah, this would be their third loss. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've, I've been kind of mentioning a couple of times now these top seven teams. Just a reminder, if uh, you want to evaluate West Virginia's schedule, and this is no way final or will it be final, but of the top seven teams, West Virginia is one of them. Of the other six, we only played two of them this season. So you better go get some wins. I mean, you got winnable games down the stretch. You better take advantage um, at Neil Brown. Um, all right, so... West Virginia plays BYU this weekend um, straight out of Provo. Uh, The Mormons are traveling to Morgantown and BYU sits at five and three somehow, some way, because I don't um, I I usually like to stick to to the facts, um, but I will kind of make a proclamation that I think BYU kind of stinks for a five and three team. Um, I I just and, and you know what could go wrong in saying that, but you look, at, you look at the numbers, you look at the results of the games, and you look at how they won them, and they pulled five wins out of their ass, basically. Um, I mean, it's kind of crazy. So their schedule, they're out of conference with Sam Houston. They beat them 14 to nothing. Uh, it's not super impressive win. Southern Utah, they blow them out. That's an FCS team. Arkansas, they beat them 38 to 31. Post-game win percentage um, expected for BYU, 4% in a game that they win. So, just a wild, fluky game they pull away from. They lose to Kansas by 11, um, and their win percentage in that game was a whopping 1%. Um, so, even though scoreboard looks close, it was not on paper. They beat Cincinnati, um, and that is also, I'm losing tabs here. That is a win expectancy of 63%. They lose a TCU, get housed. That was a 0% win expectancy. They beat Texas Tech, postgame win expectancy 37%. Texas houses them 99%, um, not even close. If you add up all their postgame win expectancies, if you want to take an expected value, they have five wins on the season. If you add up what they they should have based on their stats, they should have 2.88 wins. Um, So they have found a way, and maybe that's an admirable thing, but... They are a wild team to be looking at as 5-3, and three, in my opinion. Um, so so that, is my, uh, that is my first take on, on BYU.
2: Yeah, it's, it's all that stuff. It's, so you look at them, they're 4-0 at home. They're 1-3 and on the road. You mentioned the one, the one at Arkansas. Uh, so just a little bit more context there. Uh, they get out gained 424 to 281. Um, but Arkansas only converts 2 of 13 third downs, in large part because Arkansas at home, has 14 penalties for 125 yards in that game. Is that good? That's, 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 uh, depend. Are you playing golf or are you playing football and penalties (laughs) are bad? Yeah. Um, because like, like, holy, you know, yeah. Fluky as hell. Um, if you look at all games, all their games this year, so what they're five and three? They are, the average scoring margin is 24.9 to 25.6. So they're getting outscored on average, uh, yardage, 301 to 394, they're getting outgained by almost 100 yards a game on average. In conference, so uh, what, five conference games so far, average scoring margin is 21.2 to 31.6, and they're getting outgained 295 to 435. Wow. So I mean, they're, they're getting outscored by 10 points on average and outgained by 140 yards on average. They've gotten blown out twice. Like you said, TCU, Texas absolutely blew their doors off. And yet, they they're, are. they're five and three, just like us. So, um, yeah, fucking fraudsters, man. These Mormon, would they make a deal with the devil? or yeah, I don't know what they did. But, um, yeah, no, I think, I think BYU might stink.
1: They I might think stink. they, and we've had this conversation, I think, I forget if it was Texas Tech. I think it was Texas Tech last year where we were talking <laughs> about were they lucky or were they good because they led the country in that sort of, you know, stat explaining like you know how despite everything else how many points did you allow and their defense was like number one in that BYU has just done all those things that depending on who you talk to and how they think about the game of football, they have just gotten so lucky, if you want to call it that in some ways. They're they're top ten in the country in turnover margin. They're averaging um one they're averaging plus one turnover a game. So in eight games they are they are plus eight in turnovers. Um and when you look at their, if you uh, if you like Parker Fleming on Twitter, at Stats of War, um, the BYU CFB graph is kind of hilarious. Their offense is just bloody red, bottom 10, bottom 20 in the country in almost everything, um, except points per echo, which means when you get a decent drive, are you converting it? They're doing that pretty well, and they do really well in field position. Other than that... Bad in the rush, bad in the pass, bad in getting good drives to begin with, bad in early downs EPA, bad in third and fourth down success. Um, they kind of are just pulling it out of their ass sometimes. And, and that's uh, remarkable that they, I mean, obviously somebody has to be the luckiest team. That is just a, a thing. But um, <laughs> they they got to be up there this year for just like the yeah. way they're, they're getting the results is kind of wild and, and potentially not sustainable.
2: Hopefully not sustainable, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's just I don't know. You look at this team, and like I was kind of waiting all day. I didn't text you, and I'm, I'm, I, you know, kind of digging in while I'm watching the Steelers game, and and I'm just like, man, these guys suck. And then you text me like an hour ago before we get on the pad or before we get on the pod, and you're like, D- dude, did these guys suck? You know, kind of <laughs> thing. And it's like, I, I, I'm looking at this team. I don't know how they have won five games. Um, it's crazy to me, but yeah. We're going to be sitting here with egg on our face in a week or in, you know, next, next Saturday, but
1: what could go wrong? Um, I will say, and once again, what could go wrong? I will say seems like a pretty favorable matchup. Um, If you got to play a big 12 quality team, this is maybe the style that I would want to play against based on the way our team's constructed, based on the way we want to play, based on what we think we're good at. Um, You know, BYU is a physical team. They, They want to muddy the game up a little bit um you know their defense is, is definitely had its moments and like I was mentioning about the Texas game I mean they were really holding the line and you know it was 21-6 for like end of the fourth quarter in the Texas game when BYU was not moving the ball an inch I mean it was insane how dominant Texas was in the game and the scoreboard was just a two touchdown game going into the fourth um so all right do you want to get into their offense a little bit yeah yeah let's do it all right, you, you have some numbers here. Um I think these are beta rank numbers. I'll let you uh you handle these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I mean just just from a high
2: level, so the 30,000 foot view of the offense. Um 89th in beta rank overall. So just the offensive score. Um beta rank does not think that they're explosive. They're they're 86th in explosive drives. They're not efficient. Um, like Joel said, the the echo percentage. So like, you know, quality drive, which I think what what is it defined as a drive that you get the ball inside of your opponent's forty yard line?
1: It's you're thirty-five or forty, yeah.
2: Yeah. Basically oh. you
1: are in a potentially scoring position.
2: Yep. So they're they're not efficient. They don't they don't create quality drives with high frequency. They can't run the ball. 118th in, in beta rank rush rush effectiveness. Um and that's uh, seventy nine yards per game in conference, which is one hundred and twenty third in FBS for for folks who prefer traditional stats. Uh, and they they allow a ton of negative plays, hundred and thirteenth in negative plays. Um, I think that it's like six point eight tackles per loss uh, allowed per game. Um, yeah, it's I mean if you could just tailor make a match, it's the opposite of UCF, right? We're like yeah. we're coming in the TC or the UCF game last week and we're uh, fucking terrified just because those guys are explosive. It's a hard scheme to defend. This is a pretty straightforward screen scheme. Not a ton of explosiveness. I don't know. It feels it feels tailor made for for more of maybe like a little bit of a throwback to like a little bit of a pit Texas Tech TCU game plan where you know they, they they allow a bunch of negative plays. We get them behind the sticks and then start pinning the ears back and 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 you know just make a party out of it.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it is a favorable matchup. I mean, obviously the, uh, the quarterback, somebody we have seen before last year in a Pittsburgh mm-hmm. uniform, Keaton Slovis, um, he's having a better year than he did at Pitt last year, which is not surprising. Um, I think Signetti is kind of just running that offense to the ground up in Pittsburgh. But um, Keaton Slovis, you look at the, uh, the PFF numbers and, and kind of a curious career he's had. Three years at USC. Um, and he was in the high, high seventies, all three of those years, PFF grade last year, he dips to 71 with Pitt this year. He's back up to about a 75. Um, so I mean, you know, obviously your, your counterparts at USC are probably helping you out a little bit, but it's really had a pretty uneventful season. And if you throw out the, uh, Southern Utah game, the FCS game they played, he has been so consistently like dead on average as you could possibly be. <laughs> every single game. Uh, is it 65 is the average PFF score?
2: Yeah. Was listen,
1: like, yeah. It, listen to his PFF, this is by game this year. 66, 64, 65, 64, 65, 67, 68. I mean, he is just dead on your 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 game manager style quarterback. Um, it doesn't get any flatter than that. Yeah,
2: I th- that's the note that I had. Uh there's just absolutely stock footage level game manager, right? Like just just like when you hear the, the 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 replacement level stats, like he is the replacement level player that people are like <laughs> comparing, uh, you know, other good players too. Um, the one thing you have to say, I mean, kid ha- obviously you know has a has a has a sensible head on his shoulders. Um, went to Pittsburgh for a year from from Southern California and was like, man, I got to get the fuck out of here. Um, only made it back to BYU, so still you know a little bit questionable there. But like, at least had the good sense to get out of pit. Um, and get away from, from, from the Nard dog. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, he's, I mean, you look at some of these numbers, like 58% completions, right? We we talked, he's not, not efficient 6.4 yards per attempt. It's not a running threat. Um, holds to the ball a little bit. Uh, you know, I think like two thirds of his pass attempts or two thirds of his dropbacks, he's holding the ball longer than two and a half seconds, which is, you know, one of the two or three longest times in the, in the conference, I think. So, um, Able to be pressured, hopefully, and and I, and I think pressure is critical this week because you look at his passing grades. When he's kept clean, he's at an eighty-five completion percentage at sixty-six, um, and and doesn't do you know doesn't make bad decisions with the ball. But when he's pressured, the overall uh, PFF grade drops to forty-four. The completions drop from sixty-six to thirty-nine, and the uh, the turnover-worthy plays jump from one and a half percent to eight point eight percent. So. Um, you know, I think it's critical that we that we get some pressure on him this week. I absolutely love that we're getting this guy in Morgantown. Like, oh, yeah. my God. Like, that was one of the – I was so disappointed when he transferred away from Pitt, and then I saw that he went to BYU, and we're getting BYU, and it's just like, oh, fuck it. Like, like, give me this guy in Morgantown. It's a night game. Excellent. Um, you know, I mean, if you're going to say if – you, if you're going to throw some positives out there, like, make some plays down the field. Like, you can push it down the field a little bit, um, 23%. Uh, big time throw rate on on forty eight throws of twenty plus yards, um, so pretty good. And then I think you had the note there. He, you know, he's he's one of two quarterbacks in the conference who have more big time throws than Garrett Green this year. So he yeah. can
1: push it down the field a little bit, but
2: you know, other than that, not not a whole lot to be scared of.
1: I like this stat for his career. And he, this guy's played five pretty full. You know, I guess at this point four and a half pretty full seasons of football uh, for his entire college career. Seventy five big time throws. 74 turnover-worthy plays. I mean, just right there in the middle of uh, you know, kind of, kind of averaging out. And yeah, exciting to get him in Morgantown. Um, I don't know if he's going to crumble to the likes of Phil Dracovic, uh, but hopefully, it's similar. And he had some choice words to say about the Mountaineers last year in a pep rally. So hopefully, those uh, are remembered. Um, and we remember, uh, you know, getting our season off to a bad start last year. So hopefully, that's a, a spark. Um, you mentioned the numbers about getting to him and, and really his his lack of mobility and his lack of really handling pressure well. Um, I think one thing that makes this re- matchup really intriguing to me for us is that they're they're pretty much, you know, the worst rushing team in the conference, I would say, uh, or oh, yeah. they're right down there in the bottom. Um just, you know, one of those things where maybe this is a game where we can really just pin our ears back and and send guys and, and go get the quarterback and, you know, hopefully get a lead and and, and sort of have that ability to. But um yeah, this team's really struggled to run the ball. I mean, the the um the yards per carry on a on a season level are, are really low. I think their their two main backs are uh, both near the very bottom of the conference and yards per carry. Um, so just, they just haven't figured that out like all season, how to, how to run the ball.
2: Yeah. LJ Martin. Um, so he has 95 carries 4.6 isn't, isn't awful. Um, but Aiden Robbins is the other guy. He has 46 carries at 3.1. You know, I think just in general, the running game stinks though. Like um, if you, if you include the sacks, which uh, you know, a lot of places do uh, for college stats, it's, it's 2.9 yards per carry on the season. Um, and I think in conference it is, where's my number? I lost my number. 79 yards a game in conference. Yeah. Yeah. No, I said that already. Yeah. Sorry. 79 yards per game in conference. That's 123rd nationally, uh, in conference play. Um, I think they only have like, they only have 16 explosive runs in five games. So like just a, you know, a shade over three a game and, and context, their explosive run is, is a, a 10 plus yard run. Um, if you, if, even if you exclude the sacks and the kneel downs and everything else, it's still only 3.7 yards of carry. So like, this is, it's the worst running game we've played. Um, and yeah, it, it's the kind of thing where you're like, you're looking at this, you look at the number of uh, tackles for loss that they allow a game. And, and like in my head, they're in, they're in second and third and long the entire night. Right. And, yeah. and we're, and we're just sending whoever we want after the quarterback.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Um, You know, one, one target they do like a lot, Chase Roberts, um, Mm. in in the passing game, he seems to be kind of their go-to guy. Um, he is now I'm losing my number as well. Um, he's third actually in the conference in uh, PFF receiving grade, which was kind of surprising to, uh, to see coming out of BYU, um, especially with their just sort of in the middle, in the middle offense, in the middle passing game all around, um, but yeah, he was he was the third-rated receiver. He's their top target guy. They have three guys who really they pass the ball to. It's Chase Roberts, Darius Lassiter, who's another receiver, and Isaac Rex, the tight end. So they will be using the tight end. That's 54, 49, and 47 targets, respectively. After that, it jumps all the way down to 18. So you got three dudes they want to get the ball. Um, and they do a pretty decent job. I mean, Chase Roberts, like I said, has been been very productive. Um, so, so those are your your three main guys, and and I'm just hoping this is a situation where we can stop the run. We've been pretty decent to that outside of Oklahoma State this year, and you know, really just focus on let's lock these guys down. Let's get to the quarterback. Um, that's sort of my my outlook on this this defensive game plan.
2: Yeah, I, I know. Like, I mean like we said lo- love this matchup feels like it's tailor made for like the 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 best version of our defense that we've seen so far this year right like the way that that that, that version of our defense played this offense seems conducive to seeing uh that version of 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 our defense um yeah cuz it's just not not a lot of explosives down the field um passing game solid but it's not like You know, it's not like Houston uh, where there's a ton of targets or anything, you know, where you're you're having to pay attention to like, like six different guys. It's literally, it's two guys. It's the tight end. And yeah, you know, and, and they're not, they're not going to, they're not going to run away from you. These dudes average like 11, 12, 13 yards a catch, like not, not huge big play threats. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Should, should feel comfortable playing close to the line, playing aggressive, going after him.
1: Yeah. And I feel like, you know, also just looking at their line, their line's been fine. Um, they're they're a good bit better at pass block than run block. I mean, just nothing has worked in their, their running game this year. Their, their run block's actually pretty atrocious um, across their whole line. Yep. And, you know, I, I think you had a, had a good note here in, about their defense, but what this really says to me, just looking at the amount of guys they really comfortably can get involved with, with serious production at all, um, this screams to me like a roster that was, it's just not really ready at the P five level. Um, I know you talk about defensive depth in some of your notes, but same in offense. It's just like, do they have enough dudes who can make plays to like, keep this a game for fourth quarters. It's sort of the vibe I get from them where it's just like, there just don't seem to be a lot of dudes popping up even on our, uh, our silly little color coded spreadsheets. It's like, man, these colors are pretty, pretty dark. There's not a lot of guys popping off the screen and, and just watching them. Um, in some games it's just, there's not a lot of dudes that it, uh, are popping out. Yeah, I think
2: that's that's been one thing that's been interesting kind of a trend we've seen now that we've played a couple of these uh, you know, I mean, we've played we BYU now, we've played UCF, we played Houston, right? And and this the snap um it's the word I'm looking for. It starts with the d Um, the, the way the snaps are snap distribution, there it is. Jeez. That's not hard. Um, the way the snaps are distributed distributed though, among, among these teams, these three teams that I've looked at so far closely, obviously I assume Cincinnati is similar. Um, and then the legacy big 12 teams is like the legacy big 12 teams. You see like 25 to 30 guys who have played a hundred plus snaps, you know, who have played like 10 to 15 snaps a game, right. Where they're, they're getting bodies in and out. They have bodies to get in and out. These other teams, like these three teams now, uh, of which BYU is one, it's like eighteen to twenty, low twenties, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 I mean that's kind of what you'd expect, right? And that's why I mean you know they they don't have enough P five bodies to to uh, sustain for a full year. They get tired down the stretch, all this kind of stuff. Honestly, we're we're kind of running into that a little bit just with the 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 volume of injuries that we've had. But yeah, um, but BYU, I think honestly, even more than than UCF. Um, it's just like, yeah, they just, they don't have a ton of guys that they can even play, let alone that make a difference.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, flip into the defensive side, they do have a couple guys that, uh, stand out a little bit here. Eddie, uh, Heckard, the, uh, the corner, he seems to be having a nice year. Also Tyler Batty, the edge rusher. He's got 24 pressures on the year. Um, he's more than double anybody else on this team. Um, and then maybe Blake, uh, Mangelson, also an edge guy. He's got nine pressures, uh, but been really good in run defense. Those are sort of your, your key names maybe to look for. Um, you know, overall, I think this defense has been fine. Um, I'm curious to see how their stats and some, some of these, um, outlets that we use, they don't update all the stuff until, you know, early in the week. Um, so I'm interested, especially to see some of the EPA, um, and some of the equal ratio stuff coming off the Texas game, because like I said, like they were kind of getting dominated, but they just, the, the score was not as bad as it should have been. Um, and you know, they've been pretty good against the rush this year and, uh, just solid field position is a consistent thing. They've really like, seems like they have a solid special teams because both good in, in offense and defensive field position, just meaning that they're, they're winning that battle kind of on both ways. Um, so, you know, I feel like our offense is humming right now. I feel like we're able to move the ball. We're able to keep teams off balance. Um, they have not been as good against the pass. And, uh, you know, I feel confident that we can actually use the passing game to our advantage while also sort of staying committed to the run. I feel like that's just a dangerous combo when you know a team can can grind you to a pulp on the ground. Got to cheat dudes up and Garrett Green's able to make them pay. Um Hoping that's a similar theme this weekend. Um, you know, I, I feel like this is a beatable team playing in Morgantown. This is this is a game that you want to go out and in the second half run away from, kind of like we did down in Florida.
2: Yeah, no, and I, I think it'll be there for us. Um, you know, I think uh, you know some numbers that I that I do like uh, for us from from their defensive against uh, you know their defense against our offense, um, allowing 435 yards per game. Um, they actually, they have the worst tackle grade in the conference. Fifth worst, ta- fifth worst tackle grade in FBS, uh, a 42.1, according to PFF, which the, the 13th place team in the conference is at a 57. So that just tells you like, they've been atrocious, yeah. uh, at tackling, um, in the conference, they've allowed 33 explosive runs, which is twelfth out of the 14. They've allowed 17 explosive passes, which is 10th, um, really low havoc rate, only a 12.4% havoc rate. Um, you know, you'd like to see, I'd say good defenses are between 15 and 20. Um, really good defenses are, you know, 20-ish. And then, like, elite would be, like, 25, right? So, low low yeah. havoc. In the conference, they're allowing percent, 54% conversions on third down. I already told you that in, in October, we've been converting 54% of our third downs. So, um, you know, like that like that matchup for us, like feel like we're going to be able to stay on the field, control the clock wear these dudes down. Um, I really think the the key, you know, this is the team. I think we're going to be able to boogie on them. You know, we're going to be able to move the ball um, through the air on the ground, whatever we want to do. They give up, they give up all that stuff. They don't, they don't create havoc. They don't create negative plays. Um, excellent. In the red zone, like we said. Right. And so it's like, we're going to be able to move the ball key for me for our offense is is replicating UCF, Get it in the end zone. Yeah, um, cash them in. Get six. Don't get three. Yep.
1: We're a team under Neil Brown that consistently does lose the turnover battle, and they have consistently won the turnover battle this year. That's another thing to yeah. keep in mind. Um, but yeah, I think you kind of alluded to it there. I think one really nice path to victory is is controlling the clock, running the ball, and wait until the third quarter and the fourth quarter when those uh, those holes get bigger and those four yard rushes become you know second level rushes and all that um sort of wearing them down. So hey, I think no game in conference is ever going to be easy. Uh no game is given. We learned that at Houston if you play bad, um you can lose them and you know, that that can happen, but night game in Morgantown, I think a matchup that we like, um a team that I think we're better than. I think that's I think we we are better than this team uh by a good bit. Um and hey, let's let's stick around in the picture. I mean, like like we've mentioned there's we're right here in November, we're in the mix. It's going to be some top teams taking losses and, you know, we could be sitting there tied for, you know, third place, fourth place coming out of this, um, you know, just one game back. So take care of business and, uh, let's, let's get the same rolling with good vibes into Oklahoma because that, that, um, not that that makes or breaks the season, but that does make or break the big 12, you know, lingering title hopes. Uh, so yeah, hopefully the offense just keeps improving, keeps playing well and, uh, Another another stress free. Could we go back to back stress free fourth quarters? Um, let me
2: let me just let me just tell you that. Um, so FanDuel has it pretty locked down at this point, but I'm already on us to win by 14 plus at, at plus least at least two touchdowns. You're saying at least two touchdowns at plus one fifty. Feel free to tail. I'm feeling froggy about it. It's fucking yeah. 7 p.m. kick culture shock. Um, you know, I think the the thing I sent you. If you or your friend have a mullet. Get yourself some overalls, get yourself some moonshine and get your ass to this game. Let's yeah. make it fucking weird for them and let's beat <laughs> let's beat and blow the doors off of them. Yeah. This is not a good team. There is no reason to let this team hang around. Yeah. Like we said,
1: we got a little taste of blowout. It tasted good. It tasted good to me. I'd love another blowout. I'd love it. And protect protect the house, man. Night game in Morgantown. Yeah. That uh that should mean something. That should My- uh
2: my yeah. six and oh at home dreams have, have been dashed by Ali Gordon and his, uh, you know, fantastic uh, whatever, you know. But, uh, but five and one would still be, that would be acceptable. Five and one at home would be outstanding. So, yeah, let's
1: go get it done. Definitely. All right. Um, anything else on BYU? They stink. Let's beat them. Let's do it. All right. Well, you can find us on smokingmusket.com. Um, Jordan always puts up a uh, midweek um sort of preview get you ready for the game check it out uh if you're not in the smoking musket discord uh, always a fun place to hang out and chat during the game it was definitely popping this weekend as it as it kind of always is during the game days the game day hooting and hollering page is always uh always a blast to, to <laughs> hang out and if you're you're not at home or, or whatnot um all good stuff west virginia basketball is in full swing i guess at this point for all your your west virginia basketball stuff check out unreasonable doubt uh, that is a podcast also affiliated with Smoking Musket um, that, that just f- – I think he does a pod after every single game once the season gets going. So th- those will be in he higher up, frequency.
2: I think he had it up night of after yeah. uh, George Mason. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, he usually gets that thing record started like almost immediately. Um, but really good pod. Check that one out. You can find us on Twitter at WVStatsGuy, at GameDayShorts, at WestbyPod with underscores in it. Um, otherwise – uh, like like the video with Dave Portnoy. Have you seen the video? They they've been people have been tweeting all the time where he's like, "Oh, how you feel about the team?" And the guy's like, "We're going to beat them by at least two touchdowns." Yeah, that's how that's, I feel. That's how I feel. Let's let's go beat them and uh, <laughs> let's let's make this one stress free and get on to Oklahoma. Woo! All right, thanks as always for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. Yep, take care, gang. Go!